This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and you're listening to the Fired in Baton Rouge sports business podcast, The Sportacast. No, 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 no. You want to take another shot at that. And you know, <laughs> you know where I want you to go? Where? Ed Orgeron Voice. Oh, gosh. Not a, not a chance. You have to give it a shot. It, no, no, no. It may not be good. It may not be good. I'm, I'm not expecting good. Let, let, let me put the marbles in my mouth, If you're doing Ed Orgeron, you, you, yeah, you must try it. You must at least try it. This Sports Business Podcast is Sportacus. <laughs> there you Amazing. go. Now everybody's going, Amazing. what are they talking about? Well, yeah. If you, if you didn't catch the news... Ed Orgeron is no longer the coach, the football coach at Louisiana State University. The only rub is the, that contract thing, you know, the money you have to pay people when they sign the contract. So Eddie O still has $17 million left on his deal, and he will be paid out. <laughs> it, he is not going to, out of the goodness of his heart, say, well, I understand this might be difficult for you, LSU. And uh, I know you're, you're kicking me to the curb. And um, maybe I, after, uh, since I won that national championship for you, things haven't gone perfectly well. So I'm going to cut you some slack and, and maybe reduce what you owe me or, oh, you know, forgive it altogether. Guess what? Not happening, right? Yeah, this is just the latest example of a coach being fired without cause is the uh, is the, the fancy lawyerly word here. But yes, being being fired with uh, with the requirement that, that he continue to be paid. Uh, he was one of the highest paid coaches in college football. Scott, at one point he was number two. I'm not sure if Jimbo Fisher eventually passed him, but he was making around nine million dollars a year. Uh, so, yes, anytime that a school has to eat a check uh, this big uh, for someone that is not Pay, not coaching because um, they're also going to have to replace him, Scott. And that's also going to be someone that's probably not going to get paid nearly this much money, but it's still going to be a hefty salary. Um, just kind of shows the, the the way in some ways that economics are kind of broken in college sports right now. Yeah, it's in cap lingo. If you were a salary cap specialist, this is what's called dead money. It's money you still have to spend on a player who is no longer on your team and helping you win games or make tackles. That's what this is on the coaching side. You know, Eddie O is gone. He's not calling down from the sideline or, you know, from home and say, you know what you ought to do here? I think the, uh, you know, T46 power 19 right is the play we ought to run here. Um, yeah, I mean, but you wonder, again, what is the mission statement for institutions of higher learning? 
And I wonder, is there a group of faculty at LSU that gets together and says, wait a minute, I can't get enough paper. I can't get a computer for my class. I can't get what I need. I can't get tenure. I can't get whatever it is they can't get. And meantime, the university is paying its departed football coach $17 million. Remember when we did a story years and years ago about Rutgers as the most subsidized athletic program in the country, and there were some professors that couldn't have office lines, like phones in their offices. And you just wonder, this tension that exists between the academic side, and you have the folks that like the Drake group that speak up about the the outsized importance and, and expenditure of college sports versus the athletic department. And of course, at LSU, football is king. You know, football and and, and LSU go hand in hand. Um, but you're, you're always chasing. You're always chasing. So what, what do I need to know about that tension that exists? And that's true, Scott, beyond just the just the finances. There's another whole part of this Ed Orgeron story uh, for folks who have followed LSU football. Um, he's had a he's had a lot of problems off the field uh, in, in his time there. There was uh, allegations that he was not reporting sexual misconduct. He is the defendant in a Title IX lawsuit about the same thing, failure to report allegations of rape. If you look up uh, the the conversations that he allegedly had with, with accusers of running back Darius Geis a number of years ago. Um, there was a self-imposed bull ban for, for booster problems when they ran afoul of the NCAA. There's a whole host of reasons here. And I bring these up, Scott, partially to mention that I'm sure there's people on, on, on campus in Baton Rouge that, that feel like uh, it shouldn't have taken losses for them to realize that, that maybe he was not the coach that, that should be there. But secondly, th- there was probably enough here for LSU to fire him for cause and maybe not have to pay that $17 million, but it underscores the way that college football and the way that athletic directors think about this stuff. I've talked to a number of them. Um, there's always kind of a concern that there could be a lawsuit if you fire someone for cause. The bigger issue is the optics of it. They are worried that if they fire a coach for cause, which almost never happens in college football, you can have coaches that, that are, are seriously in breach of the morals clause in their contract. They almost never get fired for cause. And the reason they don't is because the schools don't want to be, don't want to have the reputation as a place where, where a coach is not going to be treated quote unquote, right. Uh, so, so that's the, that, that's another underlying thing at play here is just how terrified schools are of firing people for cause in which they don't have to pay out these hefty buyouts or the rest of their salary just because they don't want to be a non-coach friendly school as they go through the next hiring process. I love that non-coach friendly school. Meantime, you're <laughs> on the hook for 17 mil. You know, when, when you win the national championship, as LSU did, it was a 2019. Yes. This is what two, happens. Two years ago, two short years yeah, ago. <laughs> this, this is what happens. You want, anyway, we know the value of Ed Orgeron because we know what he got paid. But we now know the value of the National Hockey League's teams won all the way down through because Kurt Badenhausen did what he does best, and he helped us with our NHL valuations, which we published last week. Outstanding work. And I put a poll out there uh, on Twitter to say, hey, like about a few hours before we published, who do you think is going to be the NHL's most valuable team? And I will tell you, I would have gotten this right. I'm, I, I, I'm very happy. I could say I would have gotten this right. But most people thought it would be the New York Rangers. The Rangers. Which makes sense. Number one media market, New York. I get it. Alas, the Rangers came in second, $1.87 billion, to the Maple Leafs of Toronto, the NHL's only 
$2 billion team, Montreal Canadiens third, 158, Chicago Blackhawks, 136, Boston Bruins, 131, all original six franchises. Uh, what I love Kurt did, if you add it all up, and the way we do valuations, it's important to note, we include team-related entities such as RSNs and real estate, although what's going on in Edmonton is funky. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable, the real yeah. estate. So we, we kind of had to pull that out a little bit because you could sell the team. You would likely would sell the team without the real estate. So uh, Kurt did a good job of explaining that. But a combined value of $30 billion across all of the NHL teams. What was your takeaway? Yeah, I think the thing that excited me most about, I'm an NHL fan, I always love to see the numbers. The thing that excited me most about Kurt doing this is that we now have done all five major US leagues, or North American leagues. So with the NHL kind of into the fold, we can put... The, the teams from the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, MLS, and NHL all together in one massive spreadsheet, uh, which I did. Uh, and there were some some takeaways here that I thought were really interesting. So, so the Maple Leafs you mentioned, the highest, most valuable NHL franchise, they rank 59th in that list of all the North American franchises. They're, they're sandwiched between uh, the Washington Wizards at $2.05 billion and the Portland Trailblazers at $1.9 billion. So just to give you a sense, the, the, the cream of the crop valuation-wise in the NHL, it's just barely the 60th most valuable sports franchise in North America. And if you go back to the to the way bottom, I was also fascinated by this, Scott. We have the Arizona Coyotes at $410 million. There are just four MLS teams that are less valuable than the Coyotes, and that's it for those big five leagues in North America. So I was also a little surprised to see that at the bottom bottom of the NHL, it's not that far from the bottom bottom of of Major League Soccer. Well, rumor has it, and when I say rumor, uh, I mean he was sitting next to me the other day in the office, that our data viz genius, Lev Akabas, may just put this into pictures for us. He also may at my suggestion, give us a barometer baseline measurement like, I don't know, something like the S&P 500 in terms Mm. of franchise growth versus all teams. It may be one of those cool data viz where everything moves around and graphs go over time. You know, I have no idea how to do that, but I think Lev may may do that for us. And if you look at the Leafs, by the way, because they're number one, you know, sponsor, media, they're number one in the league. 30 million a year alone from the Scotiabank deal, which by the way, do you still call it the Air Canada Center? I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I still call it the ACC. Yeah, I, I know people who do. Thanks to my pal, Rick Westhead over at TSN. I did attend the opening event at the ACC. It was a tragically hip concert. Mm, Had a wonderful time, New Year's <laughs> Eve. Should I sing a little, if there's a goal that everyone remembers? No, anyone? No? Two gourds in no? the tragically hip. I New, know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. New Orleans is sinking. Uh, how pro, uh, proficient or prophetic was that? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm interested in how they all, they, they all measure up against each other. And you see the multiples that some leagues are getting versus the others in terms of revenue. Um, and, and it's not the only way. A lot of times that's how people do their valuating. Like they just assign a multiple to revenue. But I love the way that Kurt does his due diligence. He really digs in. And I don't see how you can, in this day and age, when, as we talked about with Sam Kennedy, when parent companies and teams are platform companies, where it's all tied together, the media, the real estate, you can't part and parcel it out. You've got to look at the entire venture in order to come up with a, at least what I mean, is a fair valuation. No question. And, and, and people who, who understand the way, you know, these leagues differ. The NFL obviously is, is the juggernaut here in valuations. They also do their media a bit differently. So, so NHL, 
NBA, Major League Baseball are all areas where there's local TV rights that teams own. They can have their own RSNs. They can be investors, et cetera. If you look at the the, the teams that are at the top of all those leagues, the most valuable uh, three MLB teams are the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers. The most valuable NBA teams are the Knicks, the Warriors, and the Lakers. The most valuable uh, NHL teams, we said, are the, are the Maple Leafs and the Rangers and, and Montreal. Those are all teams that have, you know, either own or have significant like equity stakes in their minority, in their, in their RSNs, their regional sports networks. That is the way in these leagues to become kind of the juggernaut valuation wise is to control much more than just your arena and your team, but to have a kind of a tent, to have a role in the tentpole, other kind of auxiliary businesses. There's no question about that. Paging Anthony Krupe, because as you and I know, one of the folks who was peeking around when the New York Mets were on the market, and they were also looking at SNY, described to us the RSN business as a melting glacier. <laughs> not sure. I'm not sure that they're glaciers anymore, right? Like maybe they're melting ice cubes at this point. So there's so much going on in the RSN business. There's so much talk about the leagues becoming equity partners in direct to consumer or in the RSN business, whether it's the Bally's RSNs or not. Um, yeah, but they are dependent. Like baseball and basketball and hockey, they are inextricably linked to those RSNs, and they certainly have good reason to make sure that they are viable for the near future while they try and figure out sort of a streaming uh, a streaming platform or a direct-to-consumer strategy. It ain't going to be just the RSNs anymore. And when we talk about national broadcast deals, the NHL obviously just started a, a brand new set of them here in the U.S. Uh, Turner and ESPN are paying the NHL a combined about $630 million a year for these new U.S. TV rights. Scott, I remember when these deals uh, were announced a couple months ago, uh, live on the show, actually, you pulled out your phone and you looked at where NHL was on ESPN.com, the drop-down bar. Couldn't find it. I am already seeing a change in how ESPN, the property as a whole, ESPN.com, the website, ESPN and its TV properties, obviously, how they are treating the NHL. And I'm fascinated to see how, if this makes any kind of difference in kind of the popularity and the spread of NHL, if, if they're able to reach new viewers because they're now with a new TV network. Well, I'm, I'm going to bungle exactly what he said, but I'm sure you saw the clip where Gary Bettman was asked great, about great, ESPN great at, at the SBJ World Congress. And I, again, I don't remember verbatim, but it was something like, if they promote us half as well as they ignored us when we weren't on their property, things will be just fine. So Gary exactly. surely understands the power of ESPN, the reach and the ability to convert, not only attract eyeballs, but convert to, if not, game watchers, but uh, maybe fantasy players or maybe video game fans. I don't, you know, there, there's my, my guy of one again, you know, my, my test case of one. He loved, uh, he does love live hockey, but he will not sit and watch much of hockey on TV, but he'll certainly go on the Xbox and play with his friends, uh, the, the NHL 2021, 20, whatever, whatever year he's got. Um, I'm sure I'll be paying for the most, you know, the up to date soon. Um, and by the way, we went to uh, Prudential Center the other night took in the, uh, the Devils and the Chicago Blackhawks. Jack Hughes, superstar in waiting. Mm. Great overtime goal. Chucks the stick in there. Exactly what the NHL wants. These young kids, to, uh, dramatic moments that get airtime. It was all over SportsCenter. That's how you win new fans. So the average NHL team, Scott, worth $930 million, according to Sportico. LeBron James, however, uh, the first active billionaire 
NBA player uh, and was in the news last week. Uh, his Spring Hill Entertainment just raised $725 million, uh, or sorry, was just valued at $725 million after raising a lot of money uh, from a series of investors. I'll let you get into the names, but a series of investors that are all pretty familiar with LeBron James and what he brings to the table already. Yeah, well, let's start with our friend Jerry Cardinal and Redbird Capital Management. Nike, yeah, he uh, Nike and LeBron seem to know what they're doing together. Epic Games and the aforementioned Fenway Sports Group, the platform company that is the parent of not only the Boston Red Sox, but of Liverpool, in which LeBron James is an investor. How'd I do on that? Was that pretty that, good? Yeah, very good. Yeah, and, and for Epic, just real quick to close the bow on that, LeBron James became a playable character on Epic uh, a few months ago in, in Fortnite. See, that, sorry, that's so. why we have you on the show for the uh, you know the <laughs> under 35 demo. I had no idea that LeBron James was a playable character in there Epic you go. Does he yeah. like, Does he, like, you know, as a basketball player? Uh, I think he, he became like a, essentially a skin in Fortnite. So you could play oh, Fortnite okay. as LeBron James. I'm, I'm so happy my son has moved on from Fortnite because you know, spending money on skins that I knew would not be used after two weeks was really <laughs> annoying me. But I mean, if you're not familiar with, with Spring, Hill, Spring Hill, I mean, it's an entertainment venture formed by LeBron and Maverick Carter, his longtime pal and, and associate. It was producer of Space Jam. Uh, it's the producer of The Shop on HBO. It, yes, it's content, but there's some diversified revenue streams there too. Film and TV, podcasts, even consulting consumer products. So um, if you listen to Jerry Cardinal, he's like, who better than Mav and LeBron at a time when we're talking about content and social change and who better to be the voice uh, of all that? So that's why Redbird invested. Um, you, you're talking about content and distribution and media. So very interesting to see, you know, Redbird, uh, not, to, not to harp on them, but uh, in partnership with Dwayne Johnson, of course, on the XFL, and now LeBron James. Those are two pretty global, pop globally popular folks to be in business with. And if you're looking to scale media and content, I could think of worse ways to go. Yeah, I think the easiest way to kind of describe part of the interest here, if, if, if people go back and listen to Sam Kennedy, the, the CEO of the Red Sox, who was on the show last week, he talked about this exact thing, that, that, that partner having LeBron James as an investor, partnering with LeBron James and Maverick Carter helps them open doors to discussions that might not have been open. And if John Henry and the, the billionaire John Henry and, and, and the Red Sox and Liverpool are saying that about LeBron James, and you can understand why pretty much any company or anyone on the planet would, would want to partner with him. And then one last thing, I mean, LeBron is, uh, from a social media standpoint, he is a distribution platform in and of himself. In addition to Spring Hill, he has over a hundred million Instagram followers. I don't have the Twitter numbers here. Uh, I know it's one of the highest, if not the highest in, in the NBA. Um, so, so when you partner with him, you also kind of have access to that platform as well. And those things are extremely valuable, uh, for companies or investors of, of any sort. Well, Spring Hill has deals with, in no particular order, Netflix, HBO, Apple, Universal, Disney, ESPN, of course, owned by Disney. So you, you want to add that to the eyeballs and, and you're doing pretty, pretty well. The one, the one place LeBron probably hasn't figured out how to get the eyeballs is Squid Game, like hasn't gotten himself in there yet. Like no playable <laughs> character wait. in Squid Game. Just wait. <laughs> Have you watched it? Have you watched it? I haven't. I haven't watched it, no. My, my wife and son, believe it or not, I'm busy, whatever. I go upstairs and, and there they are watching it. Um, I, I mean, I get it. It was kind of, do you know what it's about? Uh, I very roughly, I've heard it's like a combination of the Hunger Games and uh, Parasite, I guess, is the explanation that was given. Yeah, to me. yeah. So like they're playing these games and if you don't do the task, you get killed. And I mean, it, it's, it was just bizarre enough for me to be interested for a while. I'm like, what is this? And I start watching 
But, and here's the big but, sorry, Netflix, um, not that you needed me. Um, <laughs> I think my wife and son kept going and I was doing something else and they're, now they've moved a few episodes ahead. They're now done. And I don't feel any great need to catch up. You know, I, I'm like, I'm okay with it. I don't need to catch up. But you know who I did catch up with? I did catch up with Jeff Mishkin the other day. Mm. And if you don't know the name Jeff Mishkin, it's possibly no, but he is like one of the iconic, powerful fig uh, figures in sports business. Jeff was general counsel at the NBA under David Stern in the 1990s, back when I was covering the NBA. So I got to deal with him quite a bit. Then he left in like 2000 to go to Skadden Arps. Uh, and just a, a giant in the sports law game. And he is leaving Skadden to join Phillips ADR, uh, a firm led by former U.S. District Judge and NBA arbitrator Lane Phillips. And it's all going to be about conflict resolution. That, that's where he's moving. So not in the courtroom anymore. Arbitration but, type um, stuff. Yeah, arbitration type stuff. And I mean, he was, he was involved in like one of the I iconic cases, Williams versus the NBA, 1995 appellate court decision that said the salary cap was legal. So long as it was bargained between the players and the league, like that was that's the kind of stuff he worked on. He oversaw the uh, the legal side of the uh, Donald Sterling affair for the NBA when they went and uh, and forced him to sell the team after the racist um, proclamations uh, from Donald Sterling came out, and that obviously wound up with the team going to Steve Ballmer. So you may not know the name Jeff Mishkin, but there are people like Jeff in the background who have contributed a whole heck of a lot to sports business, sports law, and, and everything that we talk about and cover. I think of Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think of Jeff kind of as the Jeffrey Kessler of the team side of sports law in, in the yeah. same way that Jeff Kessler, I think, is, is a name that has kind of transcended just law circles and people understand that he is someone who has represented unions, he's represented college athletes uh, from a legal standpoint. I think of Jeff Mishkin as kind of being that kind of figure, often sitting across the table uh, for, from Jeff Kessler, uh, but, but being that kind of looming figure on the, on the league side. Yeah, and Mike McCann, of course, uh, to his credit, uh, reached out to Jeff Kessler. You know, on, on a move like this, and and it's not surprising that though adversarial, as you said, one on the player side, Kessler, one on the league side in Michigan, that uh, Jeff Kessler had lots of nice things to say about Jeffrey Michigan, that he went about his business in the right way, uh, man of integrity, honor, all that. So good luck to Jeff Michigan in his new gig. Uh, over with Lane Phillips. Um, just a, a guy I worked with a long time, really enjoyed, o always had a positive experience with him. Just like you, Evan Novi Williams, on the Twitter, at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter, at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very, very soon become. I'm having those discussions. I'm telling you it's coming soon. The Sportico Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.